Julie was a kindergartner. She's five years old, and her class went on a tour of a hospital. John, you'll appreciate this. They were going around looking at different places. They came to the x-ray room, and the nurse that was leading the way said, you know, kids, this is x-ray. This is if you break in a bone, an arm, or a leg. This is where they take pictures of it so they can see, you know, how to fix it. And she said, have any of you broken a bone before? Little Julie raises her hand. She said, well, tell us, you broke a bone? Yes. Which bone was it? my sister's arm you know sometimes accidents happen and sometimes you know bones get breaking things happen but you know what's worse is sometimes things happen that are not accidents sometimes bad things happen to good people evil comes into the world people do evil things on uh, September the 11th 2001 Todd Beamer was fresh off of vacation get away with his wife to Europe. He was heading out on a business trip. He was leaving Newark, New Jersey airport, heading for California, when suddenly he figured out something was wrong. Three guys jumped up and proclaimed that they were terrorists. They had bombs strapped around their waist. They took over that plane. Todd immediately began to talk to some of the guys around him. He picked up the in-air phone, GTE phone, called the operator there. She was aware that something was happening. She also informed him that the Pentagon had been struck and the World Trade Center had been struck and that likely they had taken over that plane to strike a building somewhere and the plane had turned and was headed toward Washington, D.C. We all remember that day. Todd Beamer was a Bible college graduate. He taught Sunday school at his home church. He was a good Christian man, father of two with one on the way. <clears throat> but as he talked to those gentlemen around him, they made a decision that day that they were going to do everything in their power to do good and to stop the evil that the men on that plane had planned. And they did. The operator from the GE GTE phone said she heard Todd look at the guys and said, okay, guys, let's roll. With that, the phone went dead, and Todd and his friends attacked the hijackers and caused the plane not to fly into a building in Washington, D.C., and eventually it crashed on the ground, of course, killing everybody on board, but saving countless lives in the process. Todd was willing to do good in the face of evil. You know, a lot of times, evil persists in this world. We've been through, we've been through an evil year. I, I call it the evil year. And it's been, it's been a tough year because a lot of bad things have happened to a lot of people. And sometimes evil happens in this world. Jesus told us we're going to have some trouble as we go through this world. But God wants us, even in the face of evil, to do everything in our power to try to do good. And sometimes we do good uh, even when we're dealing with evil people, we do good to them. I want to raise a question today as we get started. And here's a question I want to ask. In this pagan world full of strife and turmoil, should we just put our heads down and worry about our safety 
in our own salvation. Is that what we should do? Just, you know, try to be good myself and don't worry about the rest of the world. You know, there's been evil around since the beginning of the world. You take those hijackers, they worship a God they call Allah. And they say that God tells them to kill people that don't think like them. Well, you take our God, Yahweh, and he tells us to try to be kind to people that don't think like we do, to try to love them, to try to reach out to them. We don't think their God is a real God. We think our God is the one true God and the only God. But you know, since the beginning of time, because God gave us free will, there's been evil in this world. You go all the way back, except for just a little while, before Adam and Eve ate that first forbidden fruit, there's been evil in this world. There's been bad things happening. And every generation says, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. If it's getting worse, it's only because there's more people, because it's always been bad. There's always been evil in our world. We began this series a few weeks ago called Lessons from a Pandemic. And throughout this past evil year, we have experienced a lot of, of bad things happening. But today I want you to think about this subject, and I titled this sermon, Eager to Do Good. And you'll see why in just a minute. Even in the midst of trouble and turmoil and, yes, evil, God wants us to do good. And I want to think about what he says about how we should behave. So turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 today. 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, we've been a lot in First and Second Peter this year. Uh, we did a whole series on Second Peter chapter 1. That's our theme for the year. You know, um, everything we need is our theme. And Second Peter 3 Second Peter 1, 3 says God has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. And so we, as we think about this, we want to think about that Peter, in both of these letters, First and Second Peter, is, is telling the people who are dealing with ungodly people in the world how to live for Christ. You know, they faced all kinds of pagan worshipers. They faced those who would pillage and destroy them. The Roman government was against Christians because they called Jesus their king and would not bow to Caesar. And so they were dealing with all this, and Peter gives them some advice. Of course, he's inspired by God for how followers of Christ should live. Read with me here in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult. On the contrary, pay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he quotes Psalms 34, verse 12 through 16. Whoever would love little, whoever would love life, and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God causes people to show Christian love to the world. That's what Peter's telling us. 
as we look at this, look at some of the things that he says there. Be like-minded. That has to do with unity among the believers. Having, having a goal, a common goal of, of reaching people for Christ. He talks about being sympathetic. You know, sympathy is sorrow for shortcomings that somebody has. He says love. Now, we know that in the Greek there are four different words for love. There's a family kind of love, and there's a brotherly kind of love. There's, there's a, a romantic kind of love, and then there's the word agape. This is actually the word for brotherly love that is used here in the original Greek. But it's a friendship kind of love. He's saying be friendly to other people. He goes on and says be compassionate. That's genuine concern for somebody who's having problems and a desire to help that person. Be humble. You know, humility has to do with having a, uh, a modest expect uh, a modest estimation of your own importance and realizing that, you know, you hold other people above yourself. You know, if you read this, it sounds like God is just calling the people to generally to be good people. Just go out into the world and be good people. Something caught my eye this week. I've got to share this with you. The reason it caught my eye is the title of it is, How Good Are You? If you can start the day without caffeine, if you can get going without pet pills, if you can always be cheerful, ignoring aches and pains, if you can resist complaining and boring people with your troubles, if you can eat the same food every day and be grateful for it, if you can understand when your loved ones are too busy to give you any time, if you can overlook when those you love take it out on you, when through no fault of yours something goes wrong, if you can take criticism and blame without resentment, if you can ignore friends' limited education and never correct him, if you can resist treating a rich friend better than a poor friend, if you can face the world without lies and deceit, if you can conquer tension without medical help, if you can relax without liquor, if you can sleep without the aid of drugs, if you can say honestly that deep in your heart you have no prejudice against creed, color, religion, or politics, then, my friend, you are almost as good as your dog. You know, our dogs, you, you just think about it, they just love us, you know. We kick them out of the way sometimes, or we yell at them because they do something, but they always just keep coming back. They want us to, to love them. You know, maybe we could learn something from the dogs. God is telling us to love people. All this goes to that word agape. That kind of love is unconditional love. It's a kind of love that is a caring kind of love. It's not a romantic kind of love. It's a kind of love that wants to do what's good for other people. Peter is saying here, despite all the fact that people might do evil toward you, be good to them as much as you can. They might insult you. Don't treat them the way they treat you. Show care and concern and don't treat them in a negative way. Let's go for a minute to Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writing here writes about this kind of love that Paul talks about. Romans 12 verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. 
Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. If you drop down to verse 14 now, listen to what he says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, that is, you know, you do your best, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that doesn't mean you put yourself in harm's way. That doesn't mean the guy's trying to kill you. You say, wait a minute, I want to hug you before, before you do that. Proverbs 27, 12 says, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. God doesn't expect us to throw ourselves into danger. In fact, there are sometimes when we, the loving thing to do is to protect ourselves and loved ones from some kind of intimate danger. Jesus told his disciples the night before he died, you're going out. Last time I told you not to take any money or any sword, but this time when you go out, I'm going to be gone. Take a sword with you. So God wants us to protect ourselves. But God also wants us to act toward people in a loving way as much as we can. You know, God established governments to protect us. But sometimes the governments go bad. We are to be ambassadors for Christ. That means we are to represent Christ as we go out into the world. Notice what Peter said in that psalm that he quoted. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. He's saying, look, don't let your words be harmful to people. Then he says they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God's looking at us. And he's there to provide what we need as we go through. He's listening to us. And he responds to our prayers. He's present with us. But it says the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You know, don't think if you're trying to do evil, God's going to be on your side. God will turn his face from you. His face will be against you. He will not help you in your endeavor to do evil. When you're trying to do evil, God don't have your back. But when you're trying to do good, God is there with you. Now look at verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? There's our title, eager to do good. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. You see, you will most likely not face harm when trying to do good for others. 
Now, it doesn't say you won't ever be harmed. You might be. But usually when you're trying to do good for another, that person is going to be open to you doing good for them. And they will, uh, they will usually uh, let you do that good to them. Better to, to do good and face harm than to do evil because always in the end, evil ends up one way or another bringing harm to you. He says, don't fear the threats of the evildoers. When, when you're doing what God calls you to do, you don't have to fear the evil. You know, as Christ's people, we have amazing contribution to give to the world. We live in a world where people are dead set on retaliating and taking revenge when somebody does something. But we have an opportunity to approach things in a different way. This week, I learned about Victoria Ruvalo. Victoria was 45 years old. She was driving her niece to a, a voice recital that she was putting on that night when all of a sudden she encountered a young man whose name was Ryan Cushing. Now, Ryan had five teens in his car with him. They had just stolen a credit card, and they had went on a spending spree and one of the things they bought was a 20-pound frozen butterball turkey. As they were riding down the road, they tossed that turkey into oncoming traffic, traveling at a high rate of speed. That turkey hit Victoria's windshield, went through, hit her in the face, pretty much breaking every bone in her face. She spent 10 months in the hospital, she spent time recovering, went home with a tracheotomy. It was a terrible accident. Ryan actually got caught and was prosecuted for that. On October the 17th, 2005, Ruvalo, Victoria, attended Cushing's sentencing, and she asked the judge to be lenient on Victoria for what she had done. Here's what she said. Despite all of the fear and the pain I've learned from this horrific experience, and I have much to be thankful for. Each day when I wake up, I thank God simply because I'm alive. I sincerely hope you also learn from this awful experience, Ryan. There was no room for vengeance in my life, and I, I do not believe a long, hard prison term would do you, me, or society any good. Ryan Cushing broke down and wept and expressed remorse for his action. He was sentenced to six months in jail. He could have gotten 25 years. He was also sentenced to five years of community service, which he spent in a program traveling around talking to other high school students about not doing stupid things like what he had done that caused Victoria so much grief. I did some research and tried to find out where he's at today, and I came up short on that, but we hope he turned his life around. Here's what Victoria said to him. I truly hope that by demonstrating compassion and leniency, I have encouraged you to seek an honorable life. If my generosity will help you to mature to a responsible, honest man whose graciousness is a source of pride to your loved ones and your community, then I will be truly gratified 
and my suffering will not have been in vain. She looked at Ryan and she said, Ryan, please try to prove me right. And we hope that young man turned his life around. But you think about what Victoria Ruvio did. In the midst of all the evil that she faced and the suffering that she faced, she practiced kindness and forgiveness. You know, Jesus told a parable about forgiveness. It's called the unmerciful servant. Servant went before a king to whom he owed a lot of money, and the king forgave him what he owed. But then that same servant went out and found a man that owned him money, and he demanded that he pay, which he could not, and he had him thrown in jail. The king found out what the servant he had forgiven had done. He called him in, and he threw him in jail because he was not merciful. And Jesus said, if that's the way you treat people, that's the way you will be treated. God calls us to be show kindness and love to other people. Now, I'll be honest with you, we probably won't ever face getting hit in the face with a frozen turkey. Although on Thanksgiving sometimes, you know, tempers flare, but usually we, we won't get hit with a frozen turkey. But we might face insult, false accusations, people lashing out, people doing things behind our backs. We, we call it backstabbing figuratively. But how you respond to that can make all the difference in this world. It makes all the difference to the situation. It makes a big difference to God as to how you respond. Better to take a deep breath, count to ten, walk away, clear your mind, pray a little bit before you lash out at somebody. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes a passage here. In this passage, he indicates that there are two ladies in this church that are having some trouble. They're named Euodia and Syntyche. Euodia and Syntyche. Boy, if you had names like that, I can see why you'd be arguing sometimes. But, but at any rate, if you have that name, I apologize. Um, but they were having some trouble. And Paul encourages the church to try to help these women. But right after that, listen to what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, God wants us to think before we act. And we have a, an amazing opportunity in the midst of evil to bring some peace into a situation. You know, sometimes people blow up because they just need to vent, and maybe you get in the way. They're probably not attacking you personally, but boy, if you come back with gentleness and kindness, usually it just diffuses the whole situation. You might remember a comedian named Jerry Clower. You remember the story about coon hunting and being up in a tree, and he said, just shoot up in here. One of us got to have some relief. But he tells a story about being at his son's football game. His son was the field goal kicker 
on a football team. And it was end of the game, three seconds to go. They were behind by two points. If his son kicked the field goal, the team won. His son kicked and missed. And there was a heckler, perhaps a guy who had had a little too much to drink that night, sitting in the stands, and he began to shout at Jerry Clower's son. You sorry kid, who taught you how to kick? You're no good. Kick him off the team. Where'd they get just on and on berating this kid? And Jerry gets up and he goes up and he sits down right beside the man. And he looked at him and he said, Mister, you ought to thank Jesus Christ that you're still alive. And the man said, Why? What do you mean? And he said, Because I'm a Christian and he won't let me kill you. Somehow I don't think that's what Peter had in mind. But we do need to learn how to show kindness in the midst of, of turmoil, in the midst of strife and evil. For sure, when you act like Jesus in those situations, the world is going to take notice. They're going to notice that there's something different. We know what it is. It's the Spirit of Christ working in us and through us, and it will help us through that. Joseph Stoll was the president of Moody Bible Institute. Some years ago, he was out jogging one morning early, early. And on the way home, he decided to stop by Starbucks and get him and his wife a latte. And so he was the second person in the Starbucks store. And the first guy was standing at the counter arguing with the clerk, waving a New York Times newspaper and a $50 bill. He was trying to buy just a simple New York Times newspaper, but the clerk had just opened the store and didn't have enough change to break the $50 bill. Now, if I was the running that store, I'd just said, take the paper, pay me next time you come in. You make a loyal customer that way, but not this clerk. They were arguing back and forth. Finally, Stoll said he just did the thing that any good Christian would do. Told the man, go ahead, I'll pay for your paper. Two bucks. And so the guy left. They made his lattes. And then the clerk said to Stoll, Mister, if everybody in the world act like that, the world would be a better place. And Joseph said he was a bit taken back by what the guy said. He just thought that was a natural thing to do. And it was for him. But as he left, he thought, You know, I should have had some fantastic thing to say and gave Jesus all the glory I should have told him yeah you don't know how bad I used to be but Jesus cleaned me up and now this is the person I made but I didn't and Saul said I started to go back in and tell him but I looked around and the line was long and people were rushing and it was crazy and I missed the opportunity to share Jesus with that clerk look at what Peter says in verse 15 in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive in the Spirit. We should always be ready to share 
while we have faith in Christ. And you know, when you do that, you may have to suffer. You may sometimes have to suffer. For sure, you'll have to humble yourself. But in doing that, you will be doing what God has called you to do. You'll be doing the thing that God wants you to do. You know what? When you do what God calls you to do, there's a certain satisfaction in that. It feels good. Prepare yourself to tell people why you believe in Jesus. It begins, Peter said, by making Jesus Christ Lord of your heart. That he's in control of your emotions and how you express yourself as you go out into the world. He's your main influencer. Now, I can't tell you how to tell your story. I can tell you this. Start with how you used to be, then how you came to know Jesus, and then how you were after you know Jesus. But I can tell you how to share the gospel. I can tell you how to tell somebody what the good news of Jesus Christ is. In fact, we have a brochure. There's some available at the Welcome Center at the back. It's really just centered around four simple points. God's love, our sin, God's grace, our choice. And you can begin by telling somebody, look, God loves you. He loves all people. But there's a problem. Sin gets in the way. Our sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. But God did something about that because he wants to have a relationship with you. He sent his son, Jesus. That's God's grace. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And then we have a choice, our choice. By believing that Jesus died for my sins, I can be forgiven and my relationship with God can be restored. How do I access that grace? What do I do? It's simple. This brochure gives you the ABCs of the gospel. A, accept that I'm a sinner and I have been alienated from God. B, believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sins and bring forgiveness to my life. C, confess before God and others that I believe Jesus is my Lord and wants to restore my relationship. D, demonstrate my faith by repenting of my sins and being baptized by immersion. Acts 2.38 says, uh, uh, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And lastly, engage in a local church where I can begin learning the Bible and growing in spiritual maturity as I become a devoted disciple of Christ. This brochure has all kinds of scriptures you can look up. It's it's really a pretty simple thing. You can find that at the Welcome Center, as I say, if you'd like to have that and know more or know how to talk to somebody about Jesus. It's a simple message, but it can have a powerful impact. And the way you behave in the midst of evil can impact somebody's life for eternity. We can't force it on anybody. Peter says to do it with gentleness and respect. Here's our connection. Peter reminds us that even in difficult times, we should be eager to do good to everyone. In this time of difficulty, I think the world is most open to anything that brings hope. And Jesus certainly brings hope. Be eager 
to do good. To bring good to people's lives. In the midst of turmoil, show people Jesus and demonstrate the love of Christ. There's a couple named Ricky and Tony Sexton that lived, at least they did in, in the year 2000, they lived in Withville, Virginia, not too far from here. He was a little bit sick, and Ricky was, and Tony, his wife, went to walk the dog outside. She was greeted by a man, Dennis Lewis, and 37, and Angela Tanner, 20 years old, who roared up into their driveway, pointed pistols in her face and told her to get back in the house. They went back in the house and they were held hostage. Somehow the neighbors saw what was happening and called the police. But while they were there, sitting around in the living room, the sextons listened to what their captors' troubles were. And then you know what they did? They showed them gospel videos. They read the Bible to them. They fed them. They prayed with them. They even cried with them. Well, during the negotiations, the police had come, and Ricky Sexton refused to leave the house because the couple said, y'all get out of here. We're just going to commit suicide and let the police kill us. He said, no, I'm not leaving if that's what you're going to do. He stayed in the house. There was a standoff, but eventually they gave up. And at the end, there's a peculiar turn to the story. Angela left $135 in cash on their coffee table and wrote this note. Thank you for your hospitality. We really appreciate it. I hope he gets better, her husband. Wish all the luck and love. Please accept this. It really is all we have to offer, love, Angela, and Dennis. The hostage takers. You see what can happen when a little kindness and Christian love is shown? You can sometimes diffuse a situation, and who knows, you might save a life. God calls us to be good, to do good. In fact, he says be eager to do good. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It speaks to us. Sometimes it hits us in places that we don't like to be hit. Sometimes it calls us out. It calls us to be more like Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people, people of the book, a people who take it serious, a people who want to do the things that you call us to do. Even in the face of evil, Lord, that we are careful to let our kindness come out. Let that Christian love come out. Who knows, we may diffuse a situation and save a life. Who knows, somebody may come to Jesus and spend eternity with us. And we pray, Father, that you help us to be these people. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray and praise today. Amen.